The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello, Bengals fans. I am Matt Minnick, and this is Chalk Talk, a post-Super Bowl edition of Chalk Talk. I am joined today by Ben Grant, very active member of Bengals Twitter, also uh, a football coach himself, and uh, he, he does a little pod called X's and Argos. If you are a fan of the CFL, definitely check that out. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, I haven't reached that sort of, you know, post-Super Bowl depression yet, so I, I, I'm good for a few more days. Well, I mean, you know, the the FCS is is here for you. you yeah. Know, coming in with the, with the brand new football seasons, uh, you know, it's this year's uh, Football Alliance, you know, it'll uh, be, be interesting to see how oh, the popularity that, uh, that they gain. Unfortunately, you know, the big names, your, your, your Trey Lance, your Kay Johnson, the, the, these guys aren't playing, but... Uh, we'll be interesting to see how how that goes and how popular that is uh, if if people can find places to watch it uh, this spring. So yeah, we we just wanted to bring you on and and kind of get another coach's opinion of the Super Bowl because obviously you know we're, we're talking about right now the game did not go the way anybody expected. Um, I I thought the Bucks the Bucks were going to win it. Uh, I predicted the Bucks were going to win it. I, not in my wildest dreams, thought that the Chiefs were not going to score a touchdown in that game, uh, even with some of the you know the the issues they had on their offensive line. So, um, yeah, let's start there because that's the the big takeaway. That the thing that's being talked about a lot is look at the offensive line. Uh, you know, look at the injuries. No Mitchell Schwartz. No Eric Fisher. You know, both of their tackles out. Uh, and you know the heat was really getting to Patrick Mahomes. Um, I mean, you know, how big of a factor do you think that was in this game? I think it was a very big factor. I don't think it was everything. Like I think the Bucks overall looked extremely prepared. They were ready for the game, and the the Chiefs just didn't have that you know same level, same look to them. They didn't have that same same level. You know, when they were on the field, it wasn't just you know the offensive line that I know everybody's talking about. That was a problem. Um, but I don't know if you, I don't know if you were like me, where you kind of wanted to crawl into a corner at halftime because it reminded you a lot of what we were seeing from the Bengals O line uh, a lot of the a lot of the season. But there were some flashbacks the there. The comparison for me. has been out there, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so it it just looked very familiar. And you know the things that Kansas City fans were going through watching their guys just whiff on stunts and twists was you know kind of what what we've been doing all all season long. But but to think it was just the offensive line, I think, is 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 flawed. Yeah, and and definitely played a big factor. Um, you know, I, I went back and actually earlier today, I watched their Week Twelve matchup, and I mean, you could see the, the pass rush was an issue for them in that game too. Um, but it seemed like in that game, Mahomes was getting rid of the ball a lot faster, uh, and also defensively, the Bucks were playing a lot of cover one. Uh, and and you know Tyreek was was torching guys, <laughs> so uh, so that helped. They had some big plays in that game, and and that was a uh, you know that was a really really close game for them too. And they they were held under thirty points in that game. 
Um, but obviously not the complete shutdown. The other thing, like like you mentioned about, you know, them looking different. It, you could see the swag in that game. You know, like like they were having fun. They were confident. They knew they were going to win it. They were doing the Andy Reid stuff where you call some weird plays every once in a while, and you're like, what the hell is that? Uh, but, you know, but, but like, like that, that stuff's fun. And even even when it doesn't – even if that play doesn't work all the time, it's like like the guys are really engaged. And I felt like we didn't see that out of Reid. I felt like we didn't – for Andy Reid off of a bye week, for all the all that we talk about Andy Reid coming off of a bye week, it didn't seem like there was – much creativity in that game plan. It didn't seem like he really adjusted very well in the game. Uh, slash B enemy, of course. Yeah, I, I, from the entire Chiefs coaching staff, they they just they looked shell shocked. Uh, you know, it just didn't. I don't think they came out of the gate the way they thought they were going to come out of the gate. And it's one of those things. Like you've you've you know coached in in games before too, where not everything goes the way that you want it to, and then suddenly it seems like time is moving at a different speed. And it looked, you know, seeing them. The way that the Chiefs coaches were reacting, uh, you know, I I felt very much what I'm sure they were feeling. I've been through that before. And it's just like, you know, time is moving at 100 miles an hour and and you have to pull yourself away and just sort of sit down with your guys and say, OK, let's let's regroup here. You know, wh- you know what what can we do? What, what's going on? Let's let's see if we can make some adjustments. And they, they just never had that that moment where something finally went right and they, they made a change and it stuck. It just seemed like offensively especially they just they couldn't get they just couldn't do anything except the underneath stuff to to travis kelsey uh to beat that that cover two and it really wasn't much more than that it was a lot of a lot of cover two some really simple twists and stunts and you know most of the plays that the the kco line was getting beat on were there wasn't much to them it wasn't it wasn't that they were getting outsmarted or or you know falling for backers who were mugging it's just they were getting beat one-on-one their their tackles seemed paranoid about getting beat inside and so they were letting guys around the outside at 100 miles an hour and and the guards just seemed to lunge and and whiff repeatedly uh sometimes not making any contact there are a couple plays there where there's like three guys after Mahomes and he's you know he's he's just caught the ball and he's already on the Mm -hmm. move because everything's broken down um, but that, you know, that, that cover two that they were sitting in was, was pretty effective. Yeah. It's weird too, that you mentioned that, that it was like, they were afraid of getting beat inside from the tackle position. I mean, I don't want to say let them beat you inside, but when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, let Mahomes get outside, <laughs> you know I mean? It, that's, that's where he's dangerous. And, um, yeah, that, that's one thing about, Coaching against an athletic quarterback, and and the NFL hasn't. Some of the NFL guys have figured this out yet, but not all of them have figured it out yet. That pass rush contain is extremely important when the guy can move, and and there's a lot more. You can be a lot more exotic in your blitzes, and you can be really terribly unsound in your blitzes when Tom Brady's the guy you're going after, because Tom Brady's not going to get out of the pocket and and torch you. Uh, whereas your Mahomes is your, your Burroughs, you know, these, this new generation really of guys that can, they can really run. Um, that's, I mean, that's a problem. You know, I, I actually saw something the other day about like, evidently the Bengals staff told Carl Lawson not to use some of his moves and there wasn't a lot of information in it, but it was just like, all right, well, maybe they're just telling him keep contained, <laughs> you know, because, because we've seen that happen. That was that was a big thing in New England with uh, with Chandler Jones. Um, big reason why they they moved on from Chandler Jones, even though he's very productive uh, pass rusher, they care a lot more about keeping the the quarterback in the pocket than they do about actually getting sacks. Uh, and and I remember in his last year in New England, and I live in Rhode Island, so I watch all the Patriots games. This year, I watched all the Buccaneers games because. Uh, big surprise they were they were on in uh in new england but um you know like there, there were times where you'd see it he'd, he'd go inside athletic quarterback rolls out and, and it gets you in trouble so um yeah i mean that that's where Mahomes can beat you you know so if, if, if you gotta get beat i get that's a that's a straight line to the quarterback but there is no straight line to patrick mahomes you know it's sort of like we've gone through three different 
eras of coaching philosophy when it comes to uh, contain, where you, you sort of go back old school. They, they were absolutely adamant about, you know, no one gets outside, no one gets outside, and they were coming in from the outsides, and, you know, whatever you do, no one gets outside you. And then in sort of the era of the pocket passer, they drifted from that a little bit. And you talk about, you know, against against Tom Brady, where, you know, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to worry about contain as much, and you can take some of those gambles with those inside moves and um, and and throw some more exotic blitzes where you, you know, you're going to sacrifice contain a little bit. Um but you're right with these athletic quarterbacks that we've got. And it doesn't necessarily mean fast. I think it's important to point out that guys like Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes isn't, I don't think he's a, a fast quarterback. I think he's a very athletic quarterback. I, I bet you Burrow would run a faster 40 than, than Mahomes would. It's just he's, he moves very well. He throws extremely well on the move. And he likes to move. And he likes to roll. And when he sees a space, he'll, he'll go through it. And so now with that new era of quarterback, it doesn't have to be, a guy like Lamar Jackson, who is legitimately lightning fast, guys like Mahomes and Burrow, guys that are comfortable on the move, uh, now suddenly you, you do have to go back to that sort of old school, we better keep this guy in the pocket mentality. Yeah, and I mean, that's definitely true. And in this game, you saw Patrick Mahomes throw some balls on the move that were incredible and that, that really... There, I mean, there were a couple of those moments where, like, it could have saved the game, but it was like guys weren't helping him. Um, you know, every time he snuck one in past the defense, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd see guys dropping balls and just not really stepping up. Honestly, that had shades of the Bengals season to me, too. Um, I felt like in the first game against, against the Steelers, look, Burrow struggled in that game, too, but his receivers weren't giving him any help. Um, and, and, you know, that, and they, that's guys like like T and and like uh, Tyler Boyd that we're really high on. We see a really bright future for. Um, just like the moment was too big for them or, or, or something, and they and they couldn't get behind it. And we know with the Chiefs, obviously, you know they've been there before. That 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 moment shouldn't be too big for for Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, he's he's got his ring, uh, and yet it was like these guys. He was trying to do it by himself. You know, it was it was like watching a Texans game. You know, you know the quarterback was out there running around, uh, throwing some great balls, uh, but he was he was out there by himself. Yeah, absolutely. It it reminded me of that old '80s movie, Necessary Roughness, where they they bring in this old quarterback. I think Scott, <laughs> Scott Bakula, Bakula played him. Yeah, yes. and and he was amazing. He could do everything, but he just had no one around him. And it, I think Mahomes must have felt like that because some of those those throws you've seen them all on. On, on Twitter now a thousand times, but the one where it looks like Ben Stiller from Dodgeball, where he's like full on laid out <laughs> yeah. flying across the field, and he somehow not not just gets the ball there, he hits his receiver in the helmet. Yeah, and then another one where he's you know being thrown backwards, he gets the ball out, and he just continually like imagine if those were caught, you would see that play on every NFL promotion for the rest of time. Oh if, yeah, if any one of those three or four passes especially those ones in the end zone were brought in they would have been super bowl highlights for forevermore and unfortunately it's you know it's a it's it's more than a one person game so you know <laughs> mahomes is, is left with the uh, only bruises to show for it by the way for all the younger people in our audience necessary roughness i watched it at one point during quarantine i'm not sure if it's on prime or, or netflix but it's on one of those excellent excellent bad movie <laughs> it is. It, yeah. You have to you have to go into it knowing yeah. that it's a bad film, but it's timely with the Sarah Fuller stuff. You've got Kathy Ireland That's playing. True. A, Kathy you know, Ireland kicker. was the kicker. They pulled her off the soccer team. Yeah. Uh you got Sinbad. Sinbad Sinbad's like <laughs> a professor that like still has eligibility somehow. <laughs> and and Jason Bateman coming right off of <laughs> Jason Bateman, Team I forgot. Yeah, he's, he's like he's the, the, he's the like boosters kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I forgot about Jason Bateman there. So yeah, definitely that's that's worth uh, that's worth checking out if you like uh, if you like good bad movies. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the Bucks defensive personnel because I think we, we we agree they had a good game plan. Um, it was different in the first time around. They didn't try and play Tyree Kill Man all the time. They they stayed on top of stuff, um, and and it caused them a lot of problems, but. I mean, they've got so much talent, so much depth, so much speed in, at their linebacker position and at their secondary. Everybody loves to talk about Devin White. I was a big Devin White guy coming out. 
wanted the Bengals to get him in that draft. He went much higher than expected. Um, Levante David, though, is the dude. I mean, he's really the guy. But but they have two guys that can really fly around at that linebacker position. That is that is a spot that we don't give value to, you know, in terms of like football, Twitter, and analytics. Like we don't really we don't favor that linebacker position at all. Um, I mean, does this demonstrate to you that you know having athletic versatile linebackers is is a really important factor in today's NFL? Yeah, I, I think it I think it does, but I think there's I think it's more than that just going on with with the Bucks defense. Like I, I think it's easier to be an amazing linebacker when everyone around you is really strong too. Like their defensive mm. line just played out of their minds. But it, but it's not it wasn't a freak occurrence either. So I shouldn't really say that because it makes it sound when I say that it sounds like I'm I'm saying they played above expectation and I I don't think they did. It's just they they've got a, a really strong team. There aren't a lot of holes on the Buccaneers. I was I sort of did an, an exercise looking through pre Super Bowl looking through positional groups because I haven't gotten to see the Bucks a lot this year. You know I, we don't get a I, I have Sunday ticket, but it's it's not a game I. I usually would turn on, I, you know, I'm watching the Bengals game and then often it would be Buffalo or someone that's a little bit more local. And so I didn't see a ton of bucks this year. And when I started looking through their roster pre-Super Bowl and going through positional groups, I, I couldn't believe the strength of their team. And, and, and I knew they were there. But when I kind of saw these names all on paper and looking at the depth chart, I'm like, this is this is an excellent team. And so, yes, I think those linebackers are terrific. They played an amazing game. But I think a lot of linebackers are going to look really good when you've got that kind of strength from a D line. You've got that kind of speed in the in the secondary, um, and you know they were they were playing just that system so well, and so it let the linebackers do their thing. You know those weren't linebackers that had to take read steps. There was no play action. There was you know there was <laughs> yeah, um, and they had full faith in their in their front four getting to the quarterback. So you know they can start doing their job from from the snap from the moment the ball snapped and that that makes your your job easier now that said i agree with you in that i think linebackers are hugely undervalued um linebacker and running back are sort of the the two positions that now are sometimes afterthoughts in this world of analytics and i understand the running back one a little bit more um linebackers i'm i'm not quite there so i'm i'm half with you i think on on that one. But uh, man, what a great game they had, though. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year, at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, and I think you look at that and the Bengals now, they've got some athletic guys coming up. They've got you know Pratt, of course, coming back now. Bynes is a free agent. Jordan Evans is a free agent. So now you're definitely going to have opportunities for Logan Wilson, who, who looked very good. I thought Akeem Davis-Gaither had some really nice flashes. And, of course, he was he was the draft darling of many last year, uh, and particularly after the Senior Bowl. And, you know, Marcus Bailey's a guy that was just coming off knee surgery. And, and you know, who's to say he can't step up once that, that depth chart thins out, thins out a little bit? Um, I mean, they, they got rid of Calitro because they wanted to keep him. You know, so it'll be interesting to see because there's a lot of versatility and a lot of athleticism uh, and young athleticism in that linebacker group for the Bengals right now. So hopefully they get they get that aspect of it taken up. I, I want to talk about the secondary as well, though, and, and, and I'm, I'm pulling it up here. Um, you know, just at the safety position, 
a lot of guys talk about Mike Edwards because he's a Cincinnati area guy, but he's a, you know, young guy out of Kentucky, uh, you know, made a ton of plays in college, you know, d- did some really good things for the, for the Bucks. Antoine Winfield, again, made a ton of plays at Minnesota, obviously a, uh, you know, an Ohio State legacy there. Um, Jordan Whitehead, you know, these are some young safeties and, and really talented guys in there. Uh, Jamel Dean, uh, really young cornerback as well. Carlton Davis, really young cornerback. Like all these guys are from like the last three or four draft classes. And um, Sean Murphy Bunting. He had a hell of a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, he was amazing. He was all over the place. I like, like I was like, wait a minute, Sean Murphy. Like I, I like I, he was one of those guys that I, you look at the roster and he didn't even process for me. And like I said, I watched a lot of I watched a lot of Bucks games this year because uh, they put Tom Brady on TV when you live co- close to close to Boston. Um, and, and he wasn't a guy that that it really stood out to me in those games. But man, he looked great. So I mean, just look at the overall depth at, at that position and you know we talk a lot about with the Bengals like ah well if Trey Waynes wasn't hurt and, and I'm as guilty of that if not more guilty than anybody of saying what if Trey Waynes was there last year um there's no LaShawn Sims in this team <laughs> you know what I mean like no. and, and they're young I mean these guys are cheap these guys are young they're they're rookie contract guys uh that they are just hitting on left and right yeah you you see the impact of missing on entire years of draft classes with the Bengals, you know, when, when we kind of look at the, the lack of depth and clearly the Bengals are, are missing that depth that, that the Buccaneers don't have the same issues with, but they've hit on guys. Like you said, all those guys that they've drafted or picked off, uh, off of, you know, other people's teams and, and have had that sort of eye and a little bit of luck, I think it goes into it too, but yeah, they ended up with a DB room full of, of young kids that, that hit and not only that hit, but weren't afraid of the big game, weren't afraid of those big moments. And yeah, you look at the Bengals roster and and the DBs, I don't think are a huge problem area by any means when you look at the other holes that there are on, on the team. But yeah, we don't, we, we don't look the same. <laughs> you watch that, that Tampa <laughs> defense, like, yeah, we got guys injured, but uh, it's, it's not the same thing. And so I think, Watching that Super Bowl from a Bengals perspective, there were two ways to look at it. I think the the positives were that you see a lot of the problems that Kansas City went through and you recognize those and you say, okay, you know, the similar problems that we have, we know what we need to address. We know we can fix these things and these things. And we've got a quarterback who's, you know, kind of like Patrick Mahomes. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's special. And and you say, well, you know, maybe we're not that far. But then you look on the other side of the of the ball at, at the Bucks defense and you're like, well, that's. That's that's not us. Uh, we've got a ways to go. And this is this isn't going to be a one year fix and it might not even be a two year fix either. But yeah, there's, that's that's the marker. That's the benchmark. You look at the way those DBs were playing in conjunction with the pass rush created by by, you know, just four guys allowing mm-hmm. linebackers to do their jobs. Like imagine if if Logan Wilson and, you know, Akeem Davis Gaither and and our and Bynes, if they were allowed to simply worry about their responsibilities if the rush was getting home if the dbs were able to stay with guys across the field and guys like donovan people's jones and you know things like like that imagine how the linebackers would look i think i think our backers would have looked great on that tampa defense uh last week but uh you know it takes it takes a whole team it takes a whole unit yeah and and then you you go up front and there is a little bit more experience there uh you know when you Obviously, V is a younger guy, but you got guys like Sue, you got Pierre Paul, uh, obviously been there before. Those, those guys have been around for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting to look at the way that that whole thing constructed. And, yeah, just the absolute depth uh, all over at that spot and, and you know, the way they could, they could get after it. Um, you know, we flip over to the offense, and there's a lot of talk, obviously, about, about the Chiefs. And, look, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, right now, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. I, I I have a hard time arguing against either one of those points. And Tyreek is, you know, right there. You know, he's, he's up there. Yeah, he, he's definitely one of the top. You know, like you, you, there's some guys you can make an argument for. Uh, and then and then you were you're surrounded with guys 
like a like a Sammy Watkins, who obviously can do some things, like a uh, Miko Hardman, who can obviously do some things, and you know they got a lot of a lot of receivers that can uh, you know bring different things to the table in that in that area. So, I mean, then you, you look at the Bucks though, and the Bucks are loaded too. Yeah, you know, like we keep forgetting Antonio Brown's there. <laughs> you know, like we we forget because they got Mike Evans, because they got you know Chris Godwin. I mean, um, so you know, I I guess the the people that listened to the beginning of this show and were like, ah, oh, here's here's Matt Minnick talking about defense again. I mean, it's definitely like this is just a loaded roster. Like, and I don't think we give that the respect it, it deserved coming in because, I mean, they're just they're stacked all over the place. I mean, look at the the guys they've got in these skill positions. So, um, you know, whereas you look at what happened to the Chiefs' offensive line, and you think, well, we need Penny Sewell. Um, you know, if you look at the skill players on both these teams. You got to be thinking, man. We need Jamar Chase. Maybe you're thinking we need uh, Kyle Pitts because they both had stud tight ends too. Um, I, I, I mean, I mean, I guess it, it speaks to the to the the, the total amount of uh, effort that needs to be put into this roster. I think a way of highlighting just how good Tampa's offense is too is we all you know we know how how great Kansas City's offense generally is, but how many positional groups on offense are better? on the Kansas City side of the ball than the Tampa side of the ball. Because if you start going through that, you know, does, does Kansas City have a better offensive line than Tampa? Well, no, even when healthy? No, I don't think no. so. Um, if, if you're going to say quarterback, fine. But, you know, the other team has Tom Brady. Uh, he's okay. <laughs> uh, and, you know, do, does Kansas City have a better running back room? I, I don't think so there either. Uh, it's at least comparable. And, yeah. and I think as much as it's weird to say, I think that, that Tampa receiving core is better than the Kansas city receiving core. So really the only thing Kansas City's better at positionally on the offensive side of the ball is quarterback, but Oh yeah, we, we've, we've got Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, I kind of said it about Kelsey too. I think Kelsey's the best tight end in the league right now. I think Gronk's on the other side. Right. So yeah, that's the it's, same it's as the exact Mahomes. same thing, you know, right. like, like, those that that quarterback and tight end are are the best at their positions right now, I think hands down. But on the other side of the field, you get the best I think at all all time at both those positions as well. Right, and who happened to have a little bit of Super Bowl experience? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, and, and so you mentioned the Bucks' offensive line. I mean, th- that thing is loaded. Uh, Ellie Marpet doesn't get enough credit. Um, Ryan Jensen really doesn't get enough credit. It, if if you don't, if you like O line film, anybody that's li- or O line takes and film and stuff, uh, you know Brandon Thorne, the guy you should definitely follow, and he uh, he does a trench warfare podcast. Um, he absolutely loves Ryan Jensen, like he raves about this guy, and he, he was the guy that kind of got me looking at. It. But yeah, Jensen is is ridiculous uh, at, at the at the center position. And really what shored this thing up was drafting Tristan Wirfs. And, you know, that might, that was the linchpin. You know, that was the, that was the thing they needed to do. So, you know, another thing, uh, talking about the Bengals, you, you've had that right tackle issue for years. You know, it was the exact same thing with the, with the Bucks. They had an issue at right tackle for years, and they, they went and shored that thing up. Obviously, they uh, made a move at the quarterback position as well that, that didn't hurt. Uh, <laughs> this year, uh, but but yeah, I mean that offensive line is really stacked, and and the guys that they needed to hit hit like just like we talked about with the DBs, mm-hmm. you know, you you bring in Werps and and you know he wasn't and oh boy he wasn't Fisher he you know he hit he was he was money and you know and, and it helps again when everyone else on the line is playing well but yeah he looked great uh, he looked the way he is supposed to look and the Bengals have drafted offensive linemen who haven't turned out and you know where the fault of that lies i'm not exactly sure but um but clearly there was an issue in evaluation there and and the the bucks didn't have that same issue and just going back to jensen he i think was my favorite player to to watch in that game i i was trying to i was watching the offensive lines on both sides a lot i was spending some time uh teaching my son uh, a little bit about uh blitz pickup and so that was sort of mm-hmm. our area of focus for the the super bowl he likes to have a task and so we watched a lot of that uh 
a lot of the offensive line play and and man Jensen is fun to watch but not only is he good at what he does and he's an excellent communicator he's he's great at picking up blitzes he's great at um at doing his job he is nasty and he gets under people's skin he you can tell just from watching him for a few plays this is a guy that nobody wants to play against and you need a guy like that somewhere on the offensive line it can't be every guy um you know you're you're going to end up getting in trouble that way but you've got to have <laughs> just one guy on your offensive line that is mean and nasty and nobody wants any part of him and uh, you know he he filled that role um for the for the bucks nicely and you could see guys after the play getting into it there's a lot of you know pushing back and forth and uh, i'm sure a lot of things were said but yeah he knows how to get under people's skin and w- especially when you get up um you know that's that's uh, a, a subtle part of of his game that i think is is probably underappreciated yeah and you definitely need that guy and you know one guy who i who i think is is similar in that regard is frank Regnow, and we know that that's the guy that Bengals targeted the last time they had frank pollock um and and missed out on so it'll be interesting to see how things go this offseason how even the players that are there are evaluated from an offensive line standpoint um but it's also going to be interesting to see if they bring in that type of attitude. You know, um, I think a guy that was getting a lot of buzz last year didn't come out and has barely been talked about this year, I feel like, is Creed Humphrey, who I think is a little bit of a nasty player, too. And he plays center, but they can, you know, they can absolutely bring him in and put him at right guard, uh, you know, next to Trey uh, in, in, instead of at the, the center position. And we don't um, know how long Trey is going to be out for either. Th- right? That's and, true. That's true. So there's a little bit of insurance there too. So it's not just, you know, and not just Billy. You've got, you got flexibility. you got another guy, you know, whatever you want to do with that spot. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting to see if, if they bring in guys like that. And then also just how they evaluate the current guys. And we've got, Jonah Williams, who, man, I hope they leave him alone. But a lot of people thought he was a guard coming out, and his arms are just slightly small. <laughs> it's it's crazy to think about how, you know, just to be evaluated in your job that way. But it's, <laughs> yeah, right? people get obsessed with it. Arm length for tackle is something yeah. that uh, just, you know, they can't leave alone. And and I get that, and I think there's evidence to support that. But sometimes you you just... You have to leave the guy there. He's he's a really good left tackle. Um, I agree. Yeah, and I I don't know like the idea of moving him to guard. I'm far more open to the idea of you know potentially moving him to right tackle than yes. I am to guard. Um, but again, you have to see how that plays. You know, some guys just can't play yeah. as well on one side of the ball. I think you know Hakeem Adeniji might be one of those guys. You saw how reluctant they were to put him on the right side, and mm-hmm. you know, he's a younger guy. He hasn't had a lot of reps over on that side but you know some guys just don't it it doesn't translate the same way so they were they were happier to have a rookie as a left tackle which is usually a a no-no if you're kind of you know put the rookie somewhere you put him on the right side but he's obviously a guy that they felt far more comfortable with on the left and I don't know if Jonah's like that I don't know if he um is is a a better player on the left than the right but no it it kills me the idea of moving him to guard because I think he's a piece that and we don't have many, but he's a piece that you can count on for sure, uh, where oh, yeah. you know you know he can play solid left tackle. Well, well, that's the thing you talk about. Like we talk about investment of, you know, free agent dollars. We talk about investment of draft capital, and although he's already on the team, you're essentially taking a top eleven pick and putting it at a less valuable position at guard. You, right. you, know, you right. know what I mean? So it's like. All right, now we need two flipping tackles. You know what I mean? So, like, okay, do that. Draft Penny. Then what? Are we, what's going to happen at right tackle? What's the plan there? So, I'm with you on that. Hakeem is another guy who's just slightly under, you know, the ideal arm length. Um, and you know, being another guy that that actually to me can make a lot of sense for him to like put him at left guard, and then you got a Clint Bowling situation where Jonah misses a game. You know, Hakeem's been working the left side all along and you can bump him out you know, maybe, maybe eventually he could be like a starter at left guard and then the backup left tackle as well. And, and that puts you in a little bit better of a spot there, but I'm with you. I, I, I hope they just leave Jonah. Um, I mean, you, you look at this division and the Ravens are going to blitz you everywhere. The Browns are going to put miles Garrett wherever he feels like he's got an advantage. Um, and you know, I mean the, the, 
Steelers are going to go after you too, but their best player is going to come from the right side. So, look, you can draft Penny. What's wrong with putting Penny at right tackle? I mean, he's 20 years old. You talk about being able to adjust and go left to right. I, I, I think the 20-year-old is going to have less of a – I hate the term muscle memory, but he's going to have less muscle memory issues trying to trying to play on that side. He also played it in high school, I believe. Um but, you know, I, I think he's going to be in a better position uh, playing on the right. And the one of the premier players that you're going to go against in, in T.J. Watt, you, like, he's going to be the guy that has that matchup. So I have no problem with it, especially in the AFC North, you know, when you're playing T.J. Watt and he's lined up on that side so much. Um, I don't see one position being more valuable than the other right now. And I think that's even more the case when you look at how much the Bengals are out of shotgun, right? Yes, so absolutely. if you're under center, then yeah, there's a, a premium on left tackle because your quarterback is literally facing the other direction as he's dropping back. But yeah, from the gun, you can see what's happening just as easily on the left as you can on the right. And it isn't until that you know last second when you're when you're releasing the ball that that changes. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And I think the the division when you play, and I think that. From a, a team building standpoint, uh, if you're the Bengals, you have to team build to beat the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns now, which is uh, annoying. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to that's that's your focus. Like everyone else, you know, we'll worry about that later. Right now, how do we yeah. beat the, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns? And and I, I don't think that having a, an extremely strong left side over anything else is is what you have to do. And I don't think taking pieces away that, you know, you have in place is is a, a good strategy. I think one thing that Bengals fans can take from that Super Bowl game. And maybe that is something to make us feel better. I've been telling myself that this should make me feel better is the the fact that we saw how bad the offensive line looked on Kansas City. And there you've got, you know, Coach Reed, who I think is one of the best coaches in the league, who was an offensive lineman. You've got uh, Coach Heck, who is a good offensive line coach. You've got uh, Coach Biennemi, who again is, is a great offensive mind. And if those three guys in, in two weeks' time couldn't do anything at all with uh, just an undermanned <laughs> offensive line, then, yeah. you know, of course our guys couldn't. You know, of course we couldn't. Of course our, our offensive line looked rough this year. We just, we just didn't have the bodies. And maybe it's not as much on, you know, I'm, I've, I don't think I've ever defended, uh, you know, Jim Turner before, but, um, but I'm not... I, I don't think that there was any way that he was going to turn this particular group or anyone was going to turn this particular group into a great offensive line. And I think that, you know, Coach Pollock coming in, uh, who I actually do quite like, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think he can do anything with the group that we currently have as it is. And 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 I think everyone knows this. And hopefully in watching that Super Bowl, the Bengals front office has no doubt now they can see, OK. I, I can see the difference it makes. And I think they knew anyway, but now they can really see it and they say, okay, well, let's, let's get the, those pieces. And it, it really isn't that many. I think we're talking about, you know, at, at the very least signing, signing a tackle in the off season. I think you might be able to draft a guard or maybe use some of the guys that we've already got in place. I also think Billy Price is going to look a lot better uh, with coach Pollock than, than he did this past year. I, I, yeah. I, I went back and watched his rookie year when he, when Pollock was there and, it was a lot better than I remember it being. Like he he played pretty well at times in that in that year. He was he was drafted too high, but he's not. Mm-hmm. But he, he he was a good player. You mm-hmm. you go back to those Ohio State days. It didn't go away. It didn't. It, it's still in there. He's a good center, and I think you know can be a decent guard. He's he's lost it and obviously lost a lot of his confidence along the way. But he was he he and Mixon seem to be the two guys that are the most excited about getting coach Pollock back. And so if this can renew some of that confidence and, you know, maybe he starts at center to start the year because we're, you know, we're going to be waiting maybe a few games on, on Hopkins, maybe Billy Price looks, looks good. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. he starts off the year and has three really good games and Hopkins comes back. And now we have the luxury of saying, well, I wonder if Trey can, can play that guard spot because, you know, we, we know that that's a position he can handle too, but you know, that, that's something that I'm hoping this this coaching change brings us at least, but it, it can't it can't just be coaching on its own. It's got to be players. We're we're missing a couple players. Yeah, I mean, trade brings you so much versatility too. I mean, there was talk of him playing tackle at one point, uh, you know, before he won the center job 
and obviously such a great story with how many times he was cut and put on the practice squad. You know, like you want to see that guy succeed. You want to see him around. So hopefully he recovers well. And I mean, yeah, you know, Billy Price, um, yeah, didn't need to be over for him. You could see how a guy and a personality like Jim Turner, you could see how that's going to shut some people down a little bit. Yeah. And, and so it, it's going to be great. And, and, and really, you know, Price and Joe Mixon were the first two to unabashedly come out in favor of Pollock. And, you know, we're, we're very excited about Pollock's return. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, I think it could be, uh, could be a good year for both of them. And, and yeah, like, uh, look, we got to stop judging people based on their draft position. Like you can judge, you can say, man, the Bengals have screwed up a lot of first round picks because they have screwed up some first round picks in recent years. Um, but can Billy Price play? You know what I mean? That, that's what it comes down to. Now, was he worth the pl- place he selected him? Because he didn't, he didn't put, pick himself. You know, <laughs> right, you know right. I mean? he just signed the damn contract. That's you know, like we all would have done. So, you know, can he be, can he be one of those guys? Um, and, and I think there's still a chance that he can. Um, Me too. You know, you know, it, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I mean, no, it's going to be interesting. I think really, if you beef up, you, you got to make some serious moves on the right side. You know, get a tackle. However, you know, get a guard in there. And look, we talk about well, they need two guards. Well, you got, you, you know, you got the Billy situation. Maybe that helps them work something out. Um, Spain's a free agent. We're not talking about enough about uh, Xavier Suofilo. He played all right. Yeah, like I'm, fine I'm fine with him. I'm fine with Ian Spain. Like on in free agency to fix the position, that's a problem. Again, that's an administrative problem. That's not a problem with Xavier Suofilo. But if you, if you if you address the right side of the line in a way where you're coming into the season and you know maybe a little bit of a projection because because you got some rookies in there, but you're like, huh, Xavier Suofilo is the worst line we have starting, and Trey Hopkins is number four where he was number one, like two years ago. You know what I mean? That's a goddamn good offensive line. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> you know? that. You know I'll what I mean? Like, 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 we will take that. So, like, not every piece is going to be uh, the perennial piece. Um, and kind of like you were saying about, well, well shit, our linebackers would look great in that, in that Bucks defense. They still feel looks pretty good. Uh, if, if you put him out there with Jonah Williams, Trey Hopkins, um, Let's say Panay Sewell and Joe Tooney. Sure. Yeah. I, I would yeah. take that offensive he's line gonna, right he's now. He's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. He would, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, because his game's going to be that much better with those guys beside him. Exactly. And, and again, if that's, if he's your worst lineman, you're in a, mm-hmm. you're in a good situation. He's, he, he should never be in the discussion for, you know, a, a team's best offensive lineman. He's just not that guy, yeah. but he's fine. You know, he, he's a piece. He can, he can play. Yeah. And so, just, yeah, you surround him with, with some talent. Sure. When you when you know your O line's not good and that's all you do in the offseason, that's rough and I get it. <laughs> you know, like that's uh that's definitely not what you what you want to see uh, as a fan is that move and only that move. Yeah, you know, we gotta we gotta have the complimentary moves as well. So um so yeah, I mean so that's the offensive line. You know, I, I think we know look AJ's gonna be gone, they're gonna need to do something there. Honestly, I think they're fine at tight end. It'd be cool if they can get, you know, if they got pits, they'd be like, holy crap, that was an unexpected move. But they got, they got guys, you know, they, they, is, they got some guys that are right. He's a luxury that, like, we're not in that position. It's like, it's like one of those yes. things, like, if you don't, if you don't have a house, you shouldn't buy an expensive <laughs> car. That's yeah, not the priority. Yes. Like, yeah. like, you don't want to, you don't need to buy a Jaguar if, if you can't pay your rent. Exactly. Um, but that's, you're not in that position right now. And I would love pits that'd be great but we're just not in that position with so many things that we need and yeah. we, we've got a couple of tight ends and yeah. they're they're fine um you yeah, know yeah. uzama actually thought got off to a really nice start i would love to have seen what he could have done had he mm-hmm. made it through that that cleveland game and um and samples as much as he's another guy we knock because of draft position it still sickens yes. me you know where we took him <laughs> but it's not his fault he's actually yeah. a, you know, really nice blocking tight end. We saw that on, yeah. on Boyd's long touchdown. Like, what an advantage it was to have a tight end out there who can, you know, really seal his block. Um, and and he wasn't too bad as a as a pass catcher. A few end zone corner routes aside, uh, mm-hmm. he you know he actually 
his hands are coming along nicely. So those are those tight end isn't the problem on this team. Yeah. There there are problems, and that's that's not one. So Pitts, you know, I love, but yeah, this 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 boat's full of holes. That's just that's not one of the holes. <laughs> All right, so really, you're talking about like three guys on offense. I think I think defensively, like like we talked about, like depth is really important. Like, but they weren't getting any kind of pass rush last last year. That definitely needs to be addressed. And 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 obviously the secondary, you got into depth and you got into trouble. I think Darius Phillips is a guy. I don't think he should be a starter. I think Darius Phillips is like the perfect fourth corner to have because I think he's like he he's good in any of the three starting roles. But I I don't want to wheel him out there all the time. Uh, I, I'm in the minority on this a little bit, I think. Uh, but, you know, like, so they, they need to build that depth. And really the way that they they drafted three linebackers last year. And, you know, maybe that maybe that'll come along. You know, I, I really feel like we can talk all we want about building the offense. But I, I really feel like the, the depth needs and the late draft picks, I would love to see pass rushers and, and defensive backs really coming in there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind going, you know, back to back in a couple of rounds on on either one of those positional groups. I wonder, too, like, you know, me being a CFL guy, uh, you know, I, I got to see Winston Rose a lot mm. up here. And I just wonder how how bad he must have looked in practice not mm. to even get a shot. Like some of you know, we, we saw so many guys get thrown out there and just look look horrible. And, you know, I, I don't I'm not one that was saying that Rose should have been a starting NFL player. I don't think he's that I don't think he is a starting NFL player on a, on a good team. But I thought he was better than, you know, some of what we saw last year. And I just I have to wonder, like, why not even a look? Not I, I, I don't know if he, he took a single snap all year. He, he just certainly wasn't out there much if he was. I'm even trying to remember that. I always screwed up. Is Jalen is Jalen Mills the guy from the Eagles or is that the guy we had? Oh, I'm gonna get this backwards too. So <laughs> I'm I'm no help there I, for you. Like, well, that's how that's how deep on the depth chart you're going. Right, we like, went way down there. Which one is that guy? When um, you have to bring up your roster on game, you know, like I talk about the that... Bengals for a living, and I can't keep keep that guy straight. Um, I, you know, that is the Eagles guy, but everybody knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, like, and, and it doesn't matter. He's probably not gonna be there next year. But but yeah, I mean, you just you get so far uh, deep down there and. You know, it's, it, again, like let's let's hit on some some mid round, some semi late round. I mean, that's what Phillips was. It was Phillips is like a fifth rounder? Yeah, he wasn't high, he wasn't high. So you know, he, they took two that year, and they were both in the same round. I think it was the fifth round. There was him and Devontae Harris, who was a pretty good player in Denver. Like it would have been nice to keep him around too. Um, but like, yeah, like that's what you need to do. You need to be able to like go in there and 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 hit on some drafts. I think. Like they need to be lucky injury wise. Like I think they can be pretty good next year. Um, it, they've got some money. I think they can have a somewhat comparable off season to last year, considering that you know signing you, you got to count re-signing William Jackson and and re-signing Carl Lawson as big moves. You know what I mean? So it's like they might not be able to bring in as many guys from outside. Uh, if, but if they do those things, like it's, it, it, I think it could be a somewhat comparable uh, offseason to last year. If they let those guys go, I mean, it's a whole other flipping thing we're talking about here. <laughs> I, I think, like a lot of other people, I, I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to tag uh, William Jackson. I think that's the only way that that's going to end with him being on the team. Uh, Carl Lawson, I'm hopeful can get a deal, but you know, you never know. Uh, I think he's going to be expensive, and you know, how how much do they value him? I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of defensive investment. I think they're going to go out and get a nickel corner. And I think that might be it, uh, uh, you know, in terms of big moves. There'll be some smaller pieces. But I think in terms of guys that are going to immediately get to be plugged in, I, I'm not that hopeful that we're going to see a ton of guys. I, w- I would like to see another defensive lineman. I'd like to see another corner. I'd like to see, you know, pretty much everybody but linebacker. But I, I just don't think that's going to be in the cards this year. I think it's... It's going to be a nickel corner tagging uh, William Jackson and uh, and then some smaller pieces. And, yeah. you know, probably the bigger splash will be on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, goes because, you know, we talk about the big names. Uh, a lot of those defensive tackles that they brought in to, you know, plug the 
plug the hole, fill the, you know, uh, prevent the leaking, um, including Mike Daniels. Like those guys are free agents. Obviously, there's some guys we'd like to see back there. Um, and in the linebacker position, you know, most of the veterans are, are free agents. Uh, basically, all the veterans are, are free agents, I believe. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how those things kind of fizzle out because, yeah, they're definitely going to need to figure out the depth. They need to find something else pass rush-wise um, to complement those guys. What might be a good strategy this year is we know that the cap's going to be an issue for a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be that mid-level player that just isn't going to be making as much money as they probably should. You know, like we know the stars are going to get their money and, and the rookies, we know what their we know what their financial situation is going to be automatically. But those sort of middle guys, um, you know, this older, some older veteran guys, especially might mm-hmm. be very cheap. And what Buffalo did with their guard position this past year, where they just you know brought in a ton of guards and let's just figure out who are the best two. And they were all decent players and let's just find our best two. And then they cut everybody else. You know, maybe this is something that the Bengals can look to do at a few different positions. Bring in guys, mm-hmm. sort of that, maybe not even as as high as like a Mackenzie Alexander, you know, from a nickel spot. Like maybe even you know more budget than that. I think we might actually find some some decent players in that you know three to four million dollar range. And maybe if you can bring a few of those guys in, who are probably going to be underpaid this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, see what sticks and see if, you know, bring in a room full of guys and, and let's go with the, the best couple. Because I do like, you know, it worked really well for Buffalo's offensive line. I don't know if it, it's going to work every time, but I think this might be the year to do that because you're going to get some deals on guys that would typically command a lot more money. So, you know, maybe maybe that's a strategy that they should go with. Yeah, that's, that, that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, uh, I mean, you look at, like, you look at the Bucks and we talked about them hitting on a lot of picks. They also had a lot of picks. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you, you got to get a lot of guys in the building uh, to, to figure some things out, too. So, um, I mean, it, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. And I think, again, I just there's a lot to take away from that game as you kind of apply it to the Bengals. And I, and I think it's not. It's it's just it's just it's not all the offensive line, you know, like that's that's a huge problem for the Bengals. It was a huge problem for the Chiefs this weekend. Um but I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things there, a lot of areas that that need to be built. And um, at the end of the day, I just like you got to attack it. You got to you got to hit in some picks. You got to you got to get a couple of value guys. I think like Von Bell was a value guy last year. That was a that was something they weren't planning on doing. And I mean, if they didn't have Von Bell this year, Sean Williams would have probably started every game at safety, you know, after his injury. <laughs> like, and we and we never saw Sean Williams uh, on defense this year. And he's gonna, they're not gonna resign him. He's gone. You know, um, he played quite a bit of special teams, and and you know, had a, had a nice little fake punt or two. But um, but yeah, I mean, so so that's an example. They they upgraded a position that they weren't even planning on on updating. So you know, like you're saying, maybe maybe you can find one or two of those guys to kind of move on. I mean, it's kind of like the opposite of what happened with Trey Wayne's. Like they brought in Trey Wayne's probably thinking they'd pair him with Jackson and maybe thinking that if he played well, then you'll let Jackson walk. Now they don't know what they have in Trey Wayne's. <laughs> you know, and they're kind of in a rough spot. I, I and, think that was definitely the plan. Yeah. And they're, they're going to, and they're going to end up either rolling the dice and letting Jackson walk, or they're going to have to pay them both next, next year. Cause, cause that franchise take don't come cheap. Yeah, it's 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 not great. Although it's, I guess it's a little better. I I think it'd be a little cheaper than than having to tag uh, Lawson, but mm. it, it's it's still it's not cheap. And you know you're ending up in a position there where you're you're paying your two starting corners like thirty million dollars is not it's not yeah. ideal. Um, you know, and there's so many other so many other positions, so many other problems. But you know that's that that's the position that they they put themselves in with you know the 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 Wayne's contract, um, but also. You know, maybe uh, maybe deciding prematurely that that they might want to get get rid of or just not resign William Jackson. I don't know if that's what they were thinking, but uh, yeah. but I think you know we can see after, he he played really well this year, and yeah. you can see like wow, this defense without him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, in, like you were saying, you gotta assume they weren't planning on spending that much money. You know, to re-sign him and sign and sign Wayne's that that's a ton of money invested at one position. So. Well, um, 
Appreciate you joining me today. Uh, you know, again, just kind of trying to recap and, and hash over some of the things that we saw in the Super Bowl, how it applies to this Bengals team. You know, we've seen teams make some some pretty quick transitions. You know, and sometimes you get a little bit of injury luck. You hit on some picks, and you can and you can do these things. And um, look, the, the the clock is ticking on on Burrow's uh, rookie contract, so they they there's no time to waste. Uh, you know, they got to be doing these things, and really, they've got to be competing next year. And and, and I'm by no means am I saying they're going to be in the Super Bowl or or there's even any kind of chance of that. But but look, like you got to be pushing for a playoff spot next year. You got to be at least you know where like the Cardinals are. Right now, they didn't quite get there. The Dolphins, they they didn't get there, but they're in the conversation. They were in the hunt, you know. Um, and, and I think it's reasonable to to think that they can do that. Like again, you got to have some luck, and you got to and you got to you know do a good job and hit on some things. And at the very least, when's the last time you watched a Super Bowl and thought, "Huh, this reminds me a lot of the Bengals." And yeah. that's, you know, <laughs> some some was good and some was bad. But, you yeah. know, you, you watch Patrick Mahomes out there and you say, yeah, well, you know, we, we've got a guy, uh, you know, you know, watch some of the other things and say, yeah, there are pieces there. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's I, I don't think it's a guarantee by any means, but I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we looked like the Cardinals did this past year or Miami did this past year. And I think that's that's a really nice step, you know, and mm-hmm. and the hardest piece to get we've got in place and, you know, everything else. You can build, you can find. People still don't know how to find quarterbacks. You know, you no. just, you know, look at, look at no Washington, cool. look at like Tyler Henneke, that like, where did he come from? And so he was, <laughs> he was better than, than this first overall pick that everyone was talking about that everybody wanted. And, you know, this is, it's a position that no one has any idea how to mm-hmm. evaluate and everything else people do. And so, yeah. so we've got the, we've got the piece that's hard to find. We've got that diamond. So now let's, let's go find the other pieces and, and hopefully they're, they're a little easier to hit on. Bengals fans are upset, have been upset for years because we could have taken Mahomes and we took John Ross and, you know, look, draft Twitter, Love Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you know, um, the NFL guys, the, you know, they they love Mitch. <laughs> you know, like the NFL was all in on Mitch. It wasn't just the Bears. And to me, like that is much worse. The Bears were actually looking for a quarterback. <laughs> and they took Trubisky with Mitch and Deshaun uh, on the board. And I mean, I like... Uh, Again, I think a lot of people, a lot of people like those two guys, but it, it seems like the majority of the actual like guys with sources in the NFL, like that, that you know, like the real reporters and guys who you know, really talk to people, like we're saying that it was Mitch, like like that's who it was going to be. So you're right, like they don't know. It's so <laughs> like, hard to do. Like, like you know, they don't know how to do it. It, I, I miss on guys all the time. I didn't think Mahomes was going to be anything. And, you know, I didn't think Trubisky would be either, though. But, mm. uh, you know, I, I, I miss on guys all the time. Some guys that I thought would be just amazing have turned into nothing. And other guys that I thought had no shot um, were, were awesome. I did, uh, seeing Mahomes in preseason, actually, that was the time I saw him play a preseason game. I don't remember if it was against us or who was playing in that game. But I watched him in preseason. I was like, oh, this is not what I thought he would look like in the mm. NFL. And that's the first moment where I thought, well, maybe, you know, he still he was still a year away from from getting time. But yeah, yeah, that opened my eyes a little bit. And I thought, oh, I might be wrong in this. And I was very, very wrong. I I think Mahomes was definitely a way off. Like, I actually I did rank him as my top quarterback in that draft. But I thought I I thought he needed a lot of work. And I think he ended up obviously in the perfect situation. Um, (laughs) Here's something I was I was off on. I I gave Mahomes the bump over Deshaun Watson, which you know obviously that's, that's a pretty good one too. But <laughs> but I gave him the bump because I didn't think Deshaun Watch, Watson could create like he can, huh. which obviously he freaking can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just thought I thought I thought Deshaun Watson was the best in that class at like running an offense efficiently, uh, like and being like I knew he could run a little bit, but I, I thought he was like better in the pocket than everybody else. And and I and by I, like you saw some things on Mahomes film. You're like, well, this guy could be really good. I mean, didn't think he could be what he is, but it was just, but it was still like, 
Oh, this guy does some exciting stuff. If he ends up in the right situation, he could be really good. So, but that's what sort of turned um, me off, Mahomes. Like when I watched him in college, I thought, well, you can't do this stuff in the NFL. You know, these like you know, spin around three times and throw through your legs. But it, it turns out you can actually do this in the NFL <laughs> well, if you're Patrick Mahomes. Well, he can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, uh, we'll we'll wrap this thing up. We're we're, we're pushing the hour mark here, so. I uh, appreciate everybody that, 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 that stay tuned, uh, stayed tuned and listened to us. Stayed tuned. I don't even think that's a proper verb, but whatever. Um, so, again, my guest, Ben Grant. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you definitely should. Uh, some some really good uh, football content. Talks quite a bit about the Bengals. Uh, ben, where can they find you on Twitter? It's Ben double underscore, which I know is annoying. Ben double underscore Grant. Ben double underscore Grant uh, on Twitter. I, you know, again, give him a, give him a follow. Uh, lots of o- always chiming in all the uh, all the Bengals conversations going around. Some some good insights there. So uh, and yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. We will uh, keep bringing this podcast all off season long. Obviously, it'll get a little bit more exciting as the draft comes co- closer. So uh, keep tuned in, and we'll keep pumping it out. Thanks. Yeah, we coming for us hours. You hear the crowd coming for us hours.